The last class of my old professor's life took place once a week in his house by a window in the study where he could watch a small hibiscus plant shed its pink leaves. The class met on Tuesdays. It began after breakfast. The subject was the meaning of life. It was taught from experience. No books were required, yet many topics were covered, including love, work, community, family, aging, forgiveness, and finally, death. The last lecture was brief, only a few words. A funeral was held in lieu of graduation. The last class of my old professor's life had only one student. I was the student. Hello, everybody, and good Tuesday to you. I am Mitch Album, the host of Tuesday People, the podcast, and we're glad to have you joining us. Alongside me is our producer and friend, Lisa Goitsch. Lisa? Hello, Mitch and Tuesday People. You know, we have been at this now for, where are we, Lisa, about a dozen shows, almost about a dozen we're shows? At, we are at officially episode 13, All lucky right, so 13. we're moving into our second dozen uh, here on the uh, <laughs> Tuesday People podcast, which is based and inspired by the book Tuesdays with Maury, which is now 25 years in the making. So it's perfectly timed. It was 25 years ago that I actually sat alongside my old professor, Maury Schwartz, and learned lessons that lasted a lifetime. And uh, I have to say, I went back this past week to my alma mater, Brandeis University, uh, Lisa, which is where I, where I went to college and where I met Maury. And, right. you know, I have a new book out, which is called Finding Chica, which is another true story. And in its own weird way, is kind of a companion piece to Tuesdays with Maury, because uh, 25 years ago, I was sitting alongside a 78-year-old man who was dying and who taught me amazing, indelible lessons about life. And then 25 years later, uh, here's a, a book about an experience with a seven-year-old girl from Haiti, uh, an orphan from the orphanage that I operate in Haiti, who also was dying, uh, her from a, a brain tumor, and also taught me indelible lessons about life. And it was it was really almost surreal, but also felt really complete to go back to the place where I started learning these lessons with Maury, and to be speaking about these lessons that I had now learned from Chica this young Haitian girl, to a group of people who were, a lot of them, Brandes, Brandesians, as we call them, or Brandeis students. Brandesians. Brandesians. <laughs> and I was amazed when they came up afterwards, we did a book signing, there about four or 500 people there, how many people said that they, how many students said that they had gone to Brandeis because of Tuesdays with Maury. That no they had way. Read it. No, I mean, I, I don't mean one or two or four or six. I mean, dozens right. and dozens of the people there said, I'm here because I read Tuesdays with Maury when I was in high oh. school. One young man, I, he wasn't that young anymore. He looked like he was in his 30s, was from Africa, said that he had read Tuesdays with Maury in Africa and had, had, had gone on a 10-year attempt to go to Brandeis University. It took him 10 years to get in or get the paperwork or whatever it was, but he wanted to go to Brandeis because of that book, and now he's a student at Brandeis. I was so blown away by the wow. continued influence of, of Maury and that book, um, and that's why we're here celebrating it in this podcast, because there's still so much to learn from it, and now I have a bit of a different perspective on it, as I'm a lot closer to Maury's age than I was, than I am to the age I was back before then. And 
Uh, right. It really moved me. I mean, I was really touched that there were so many people there. There were a few people who said, I have to be honest about this. They said, I came to Brandeis University because I read Tuesdays with Maury and I wanted to study writing, you know, like you did. So I figured, well, if you got became a writer here at Brandeis, then I should come here. And I had to say to them, I hate to break this to you, but like I never took a writing class at Brandeis University. Right. I, <laughs> I, I didn't start writing until several years out. I wanted to be a musician. So when I was at Brandeis, right. I was not studying writing. But that, and apparently they have this um, creative writing program now, and a, apparently a very good one. And people just assume I must have gone through that program. And there's So they're getting a lot of students as a result of Two Things with Maury <laughs> there, uh, and a lot of future writers. And, uh, you know, I... I say, well, okay, you're here, so I'm not going to burst your bubble. <laughs> Enjoy it, and and right. they were great. So, and we now the community of of people who have read Tuesdays with Maury, who were influenced by Tuesdays with Maury, who adhered to a lot of the wisdom that Maury had to say in his dying days, has now expanded to our community. You were telling me before the show that you you grabbed a uh, a really nice email. We get a lot of emails now and correspondence through our uh, our show's uh, website and and social media. And one in particular you wanted to share before we get going on today's yeah. lesson? Yeah, this was a really nice message from a woman named uh, Jennifer in Pennsylvania. And I thought it was lovely because it it um, it talks about Maury, right? It talks yeah. about Tuesdays with Maury. And in particular, it talks about our podcast. Um, so this is what Jennifer had to say. I stumbled across the Tuesday People podcast by chance. I'm going to say that God was sending me a message. I have seriously been struggling with where my life is right now. I'm so happy to be marrying my soulmate next Wednesday. Congratulations, Jennifer, oh, by yeah. the way. Way to go. <laughs> yeah, still something felt like it was missing. We were at the store shortly after Christmas, and we were in the book section. And Mitch Album's books have always jumped out at me. Well, the ones that look like Tuesdays with Maury, which is pretty much all of them, right, Mitch? <laughs> Are they the same size? <laughs> Most of them. Same size. Uh, this is, uh, kind of the same design. There was Finding Chica. I picked the book up, mentioned how much I loved his books. My wonderful other half said to get it. I do not like spending money on myself. However, I didn't put up a fight. I read the book. I cried. I laughed. I then hopped on Facebook and looked up Mitch Album, which led me here to the Tuesday People. Then I started listening to the podcasts. I just finished episode six. However, the one that I am currently stuck at is Giving is Living. I mentioned I wanted to give back more this year, and I will be, but it appears that maybe I should start giving back this year as everything seems to be pointing me in that direction, and I am super excited to be starting my journey of giving back so I can feel like I'm living. I may not know Mitch personally, but I am so thankful to him for sharing Maury with the world. I am also thankful that Mitch has become my Maury. Oh. I love that. Ah, That's really nice. It's Thank super you, nice, right? Yeah, it's really nice. And yeah, I, so I, I just hope the marriage goes through and is successful. Because last <laughs> last week we did a whole episode. So she hasn't gotten to episode twelve, but we no, did an episode on marriage. <laughs> Maybe she should skip yeah. ahead. Just make sure. Uh, but I'm sure she'll be fine. And uh, that's yeah, very, very maybe sweet. Maybe Tuesday. Thank you. thank you for that note, yeah. uh, Jennifer. And, and everybody who's out there who's sending us notes, and we'll incorporate them into the program when they make sense and, and, and talk about them, as well as phone calls and things like that. This is Jess Betancourt, the host of DNA ID, the only true crime podcast that exclusively covers cases solved using forensic genealogy. DNA ID goes behind the headlines to answer your questions about this remarkable new crime-solving tool, how it works, how cases are selected, why the cases were unsolved for so long, and how the justice system is addressing it. I include input from law enforcement to 
give you the inside scoop that we all crave with a straightforward, no-nonsense delivery. You can find DNA ID on any podcast platform. Episodes come out weekly on Mondays. So let's um, let's get to today's lesson. This is this was one that I've been very anxious to uh, share with you because I had not, up to the point when Maury explained this concept to me, ever really understood the idea of detachment. Up till that point, the word detachment, basically, I interpreted as like when a caboose comes off a train or <laughs> or something breaks that you have and snaps in two and I detached it. You know, I, it's just a verb. I didn't really right. think of it as as a as a human practice. But Maury spoke about detachment in a very interesting way that I think is very helpful for all of us who deal with emotions that can overwhelm us and hold us almost prisoner in a way that we don't want to be. Now, remember, here's Maury, who has contracted this awful disease, Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS, in, in which the signals are snipped, essentially, between the brain and the rest of the body. And so your, your appendages, your you know, all, all that you and I associate with sort of going through the daily walks of life start to dissipate, weaken, eventually turn stiff and, and, and basically useless. And you need to be carried from place to place. All the functions that you normally used to do from walking to buttoning your shirt to combing your hair, showering, even going to the bathroom, all need to be done with someone else helping you. And yet your mind is perfectly intact. And so Maury was able to think through all of this stuff, even though he physically wasn't able to do it. So what helped him? Listen to him explain how he began to take this philosophy. Actually, I think from Buddhism is where he sort of got the idea. Listen. Stay connected, but don't cling to things, because everything is impermanent. And you've got to accept that as being part of the human condition. And expect that there will be human suffering. That's part of the human condition, mm. too. But their, their way out of suffering is through meditation, through detachment, and observing what it is that suffering is like. Now, Maury took that philosophy and applied it to dealing with that very difficult burden of having ALS. So each morning, when he would wake up, and he told me that when he woke up, that's when it sort of hit him the most, at least the most strongly, that he was ill. Because he said, interestingly, that when he dreamed, he was okay. So in his mm -hmm. dreams, he was walking, he was running, he was flying around, whatever it was. And then when he woke up, oh, I can't move. And so that's when it hit him, and that's when he got the most depressed. Now, rather than say, I'm going to fight this depression, no, 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 don't let myself get depressed, don't let me get depressed, please don't let me get depressed, think about something else, it never works. Your mind is too strong, and your mind will take you where it's going to go if those bad thoughts enter your mind. And so he said to himself, okay, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to let that sadness in. I'm going to absorb that agony that anger, that resentment towards the fact that I got sick and I'm going to bathe in it for 45 mm. minutes. For 45 <laughs> minutes. 
I cannot mm-hmm. answer why he picked 45, folks. I don't know. <laughs> I, I wish, you know, there are many questions I wish I could have asked Maury in hindsight. And I want to, why not 35? That would have been 10 minutes shorter. But 45 right. minutes, this is what he did. And during that 45 minutes, he experienced the whole thing. He screamed. He cried. He yelled at God, at the universe. Why me? Why did you do that? Everything that you would think is the culmination of your frustration in being hit with a disease like that that limits you. He experienced. He didn't hold anything back. It was if 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 agony was a bubble bath, he would have been covered in bubbles, right? <laughs> right. For forty five minutes. But then. After the 45 minutes, he pulled back. He detached. He separated himself from that emotion and said, that's it. What I just went through, that's agony. That's depression. That's resentment. That's anger. That's frustration. I felt it. It wasn't over to the side of me. It was inside me. I felt it. Now I'm going to put it to the side. Because I know intellectually, just as I know intellectually that that's what that is, I know intellectually I want to have more things in the day than that. I want to have happiness. Mm -hmm. I want to have friendship. I want to be good to the people who come and visit me. I want to enjoy some moments. So I am taking this terrible emotion and putting it to the side. But the key to doing that was to go through it. Listen to what he says about how detachment doesn't mean that you don't first attach. That detachment doesn't mean that you shouldn't let the experience <laughs> penetrate you. But let it penetrate you fully, and that's the way you get out of it. Not by avoiding or running away. That's not what I mean by detachment. I mean by it, you let yourself be in the experience, and then going through it enables you then to be detached. You don't go through it, you're avoiding or denying it which is very different. So now think about that for a second, because it runs counter to the way a lot of us deal with emotions that we're, we're, we're bothered that we have. We try often to deny that we're having them. We try to tell ourselves, you know, I, I'm not going to get angry. I'm, I'm not going to get depressed. I'm not going to feel bad. I'm not going to feel nostalgic. I'm not going to, today I'm not going to remember uh, my old boyfriend. Today I'm not going to remember that person who's no longer here with me. Today I'm not, you can't. The, the mind will take you there and then you'll get angry at yourself for doing it anyhow. So Maury's thing mm-hmm. was, all right, if it's natural, it's natural if you have a disease like that to have moments where you are angry about it. It would be kind of right. unnatural to say, oh no, I'm fine. I have this debilitating disease that doesn't allow me to walk or eat or or move about or whatever. I'm fine. I'm great. No, I'm cool. I'm great. Nobody's going to believe that. And why should you mm-hmm. believe that? Why should you believe that? You're, you'd be lying to yourself. So he took the emotion and he experienced it fully. Now, how does this apply to you and me who are blessed not to be afflicted with this disease? Well, it's it applies every single day. Because we all go through pain, anger, depression, self-pity, fear, all right? Let's, let's talk about fear for a moment, all right? That's an emotion that I think most people have at some point during every day if they are interacting. God bless you if you don't, if you don't have any fears or whatever, wonderful. But I think right. most people are afraid about something. I, I know as I've gotten older, 
and I've had, you know, a few medical things that I've had to deal with, whatever, I, I get, I have sort of a weird relationship with the fear of getting sick in a particular way. And rather than say, I can't think that thought, don't think that thought, don't think that thought. When something comes up, if I, uh, you know, f- feel bad or something hurts me or whatever, and my brain starts saying, oh, it could be this, it could be cancer, it could be debilitating this. It could... Right. Instead of saying to myself, you can't think that, don't think that, stop thinking that. I say to myself, okay, that's me allowing my brain to run wild. That's me and my imagination, the same imagination that's allowed me to write a lot of novels and, and, and movies and plays. Okay, I'm blessed with that imagination. But that imagination can also take me to a lot of really weird places really right, fast. I know. You know, really fast. <laughs> I mean, you know, I cough. Ah, tumor. It's got to be a tumor. Right. So <laughs> I me. say, okay, that's my imagination. I recognize it. I talk about it to myself. All right, there it is again. There's that thought. Yeah, okay. Well, what if? Well, all right, let's go that far. Let's let's allow myself to do this. There's a... Um, there's a wonderful book. I'll, I'll get you the name of it in a second. But uh, the, the theory of, inside this book, it's called The Worry Cure, which I highly mm-hmm. recommend to people. Uh, it's not a new book, but uh, it, it, was, it was put out about 15 years ago. But it's really very good by Dr. Robert Leahy, The Worry Cure, and it's seven steps to stop worry from stopping you. And one of the things that Dr. Leahy says in this book, which was recommended to me by a friend who, who is in this field, is that you don't deny the thoughts, you recognize the thoughts. You recognize, okay, that's me worrying about this. And you almost allow, one of the, one of the practices he suggests is, okay, take your fears to the nth degree. Take your fears to the nth degree. You think you have cancer? Go ahead, walk through it. Okay, what's going to happen if I have cancer? Well, I have cancer. I'm going to be in the hospital. Okay, I'm going to be in the hospital. I'm going to be in the hospital. I'm going to lie on a bed there. I'm going to be lying on a bed there. And what's going to happen? Then I'm going to die. Okay, walk yourself through it. Go go through the whole thing. Imagine it. He actually recommends at one point you, you do it like 20, 30, 50, 200 times. You force yourself to put yourself mm-hmm. in the worst thoughts. And what he has discovered is that people get bored with it, which is fascinating. Mm. That after mm-hmm. putting themselves with the worst situation 200 times, they're not as fearful of it anymore. They're kind of, okay, right. you know, it's kind of flushed through me and I'm kind of bored. I don't want to talk about that anymore. I don't want to, I want to imagine that anymore. I want to go on to something else in life. This is exactly the same in its own way as what Maury suggested with detachment, which is first full attachment and then detachment from that. So you're letting yourself go as deep as that emotion will take you to see that in the end, it's maybe, you know, either not as bad as you think it is or is not as realistic as you think it is. And now you detach from it. And now you can say, okay, you know what? I spent my 10 minutes today worrying about something that is never going to happen. I spent my Mm -hmm. 10 minutes convincing myself that I had cancer and I don't. Now I'm going to move on to other things. And you can do that once you've kind of dove into the water and gotten really wet and then come out. But avoiding the water is probably going to make you look at the water all day long. Yeah, I think that's a normal thing. So you fully have to immerse yourself in it is what you're saying, right? That's right. Yeah, it's, Even if it's, it's, it's negative. To, Even if it's negative. Right. Well, I mean, this is taking it in a different direction, but it's sort of the same thing with dieting. You know, when you're on a diet and you're mm-hmm. like, I can't have that chocolate cake, right. all you want to do is all you're thinking about is that chocolate cake because you're sort of denying yourself that thing. Yep. It's kind of like denying yourself these thoughts. That's so. Right. 
you know, they always say just if you want it, eat it. It's not going to kill you. You know what I mean? Just do it and then step away or eat a little piece of it or taste it or something. But if you keep thinking about it, you're going to obsess about it. The eat a little piece of it is probably the most parallel to this. So it's similar kind of thing. Maury and his sadness and anger over having ALS. Dr. Leahy's book about, you know, your worry when you, oh, I, this, I cough, that must mean I have lung cancer. Or right. dieting, and, you, and you, you become obsessed with that piece of chocolate cake. I'm not going to eat that chocolate. I'm not going to eat that chocolate. Boy, I really want that chocolate cake. I'm not going to eat that chocolate. So what do you do? What's the smartest move? As you just suggested, have a little piece. Have yeah. a little piece. Have a little piece. Now, okay, that's chocolate cake. I remember what it is. I tasted it. Okay. It's satisfied. I didn't ha- I'm not going to obsess now that I can't ever taste chocolate again. I just tasted right. it. But now <laughs> I can move away from it. Similar type of thing. Put yourself into the emotion. Immerse yourself in it. I would immerse myself in the chocolate cake. In other words, I wouldn't, I wouldn't eat the entire <laughs> chocolate cake to say there. I no. ate the entire chocolate cake. But immerse yourself into the, in, in the taste of it. And then you can step away. It is, it is such a valuable philosophy I have found in so many walks of life. Think about, for example, when you get a cold. When you're an adult, you don't worry when you get a cold. There's a Mm -hmm. very specific approach that most people take towards getting a cold when they're adults. Ah, my nose is stuffed. I'm getting a cold. What do you say to yourself? Tomorrow, I'm probably going to have a sore throat. I'm probably going to have to miss work for a day. Uh, or or I'm going to have to go to work and be sick all day, and I, I know what happens next. Everybody has their own kind of cold thing. Uh, it begins in the nose, goes to the throat, then goes to the headache, then right. done. Or, or <laughs> begins with the headache, then goes to the nose and ends up in the throat, then done. What do we do? We just go through it, right? We don't panic. We don't say, oh, my God, this cold will never end. We don't stop ourselves from doing other things. Most people, when they have a cold don't lay themselves up. They try, If they have to go out, they go out and they do the thing. We accept the experience of having a cold. We blow our nose. We don't deny blowing our nose. We don't keep tissues like hidden. I'm not going to blow my nose. You blow your nose. You, you take some kind of medication for your headache. You go through it, but you don't panic by it and you're not paralyzed right. by it. And what happens? It ends, right? It right. has its course. And I always say to myself in life, many, many times when I get a certain emotion or go through a certain experience, I say to myself, is this like a cold? Like, can I just treat this like a cold? Okay, I know it's coming. I know how long it's going to last. I know I'll be done with it. Don't pretend like you can't pretend you don't have a cold. You sneeze, you sneeze. You blow your nose, you blow your nose, right? There's no denying it. I know, for example, okay, I'll, I'll be very personal about this. If I have a project you know, I've written movies and plays and other things that, you know, have to get approved to be made. And not all of them have gotten made or not all of them have gotten approved or not all of them have landed where we wanted them to land. And mm-hmm. when you sort of get the word that something that you've worked on for a long time was rejected, they didn't want it, I feel a certain way. It's not a mm-hmm. good way. I don't like it. I get kind of angry, I get a little depressed, I get a little worried. There's a whole kind of things rolled in there. Why didn't they take it? Why didn't it work out? What did I do wrong? You know, God, I'm angry at them. Why didn't they say this? You know, they they, they misled me. It's like the same emotions over and over every time mm-hmm. it happens. 
And I've gotten to the point now in my life where I can't kid myself anymore that I can talk myself out of it. I don't call people anymore to hear them try to talk me out of it. I don't call friends or agents or have them say the right things to talk me out of it. I know that it's going to take me about three days. I've just learned it's about three days. The first day and night, it's all I'm thinking about. It's driving me crazy. I'm so angry at this. When I wake up the next morning, it's a little bit less. It's something about sleep. When I wake up and I first think, oh, yeah, that thing fell through. But it's not as bad as the first day. It's still there, though. Still bothering me. Mm-hmm. Still annoyed. And usually by the third day, I've kind of said, "Okay, it's it's like a, a he- it's like a wound that heals." A perfect, you know, a, a perfect uh, allegory for that or example of that is is when you get a cut. When you're a a kid and you see a cut and it starts bleeding, you panic, right? In your right. childish mind, you think it's going to bleed forever. But when you're adult and you get that same cut, you go, oh, look, a cut. All right, let me get some cotton, you know, put this on. It's still bleeding a little bit. Put a Band-Aid on. And you look at it two days later and it's getting better. And you've kind of accepted, right? You didn't deny it. You went through the pain. You let it bleed. But you also know it has its time and it's going to be done. If you can get to that with your emotions, you will be so much happier in life, not denying yourself anger, not denying yourself self-pity or fear or even pain, but accepting them, going through them, and then detaching from them and say, okay, I'm moving on from that feeling now. Yeah, that's that's true. I actually just did that the other day. I um, Something happened and I was obsessing about it because it, I made a mistake, okay? And I'm not very good at making mistakes. Like I'm, I'm a huge perfectionist and I pride myself in not making mistakes. And this happened to be kind of a big mistake. And I, the first day was just completely obsessing about it. And somebody said, just let it go. You know, and I said, I can't, that's not me. It's going to take me and my, my threshold is about a week to get it thoroughly out of my system so that I'm no longer flogging myself. And, um, but I know now because I've been through this before, that in a week, your brain is an amazing thing. It sort of erases every day. It kind of just scrubs away at a little bit of that, just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, to where in a week you remember the incident, but you don't feel it the same way. That's right. You know, and now that I know that, I'm a little bit better on day one and day two, you know? Absolutely. Here's a little uh, interesting way to remember it, an aphorism that Maury used. I just made up a new aphorism, and that's the toughest one of all, for me anyway. And that is not to let go too soon and not to hang on too long. Find the balance between the two. Don't let go too soon, but don't hang on too long. Now, Maury actually used that aphorism Hmm. for his life uh, in terms of when he was finally going to reach the end, he also expressed it that way. Like, don't let go too soon, meaning don't give up if you still have functionality and something to offer and something to give. But he didn't want to hang on too long either. He didn't want to just be in this world when there was no interaction with human beings and all. And and blessedly, he kind of mm. got that because Maury died not long, I mean, just a couple of days really after he he, he had almost all but lost his ability to talk. And 
without talking, Maury, you know, without talking in the give and take. I mean, that wasn't the world for Maury. So he right. kind of got his wish. But he also applied this to how we deal with our emotions. And it's good. Don't let go too soon, meaning, you know, if you're feeling a wave of anger, feeling a wave of resentment, feeling a wave of self-pity, and you artificially deny it and try to push it away and let go of it too fast. No, 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 I'm not going to. I, I, turn on the television. Somebody distract me. Somebody sing something. I just don't want to deal with that emotion. That's not smart. Neither is it smart to hang on too long. Mm-hmm. After and, and whatever your time frame is, an hour, you give yourself, that's it. I'm going to feel self-pity today for an hour. Why? Why aren't I doing better? Why Why did I get fired from my job? Why am I divorced? Uh, why aren't I as happy as my next door neighbor? Uh, why didn't I lose the weight I promised that I would lose? Okay, let yourself go through it. Say it all. Get it all out of your system like we tell kids. Get it out of your system. Get it out of your system. Mm-hmm. But don't hang on too long to it. If that, If it's an hour, if it's a half an hour, if it's 20 minutes, that's it. And when you are done, then detach detach, Hmm. walk away from that emotion. And that's where the challenge really becomes, okay, can I say once I've experienced it, that I am done with it, not return to it 20 minutes later. You return to it 20 minutes later, you're not detaching. You're just uh, (laughs) floating away and then coming back. You're still still attached. You know, they still got the string around you. You're yo-yoing. The the Uh astronaut that they let out of the out of the out of the (laughs) ship, but they got the thing on them. Right. You know, so they can always pull them back in. Well, the 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 ship is your problems and you are floating out there, and if you're still tethered to it, then you're gonna be pulled back. You've got to let go of that tether, snap it off, Mm -hmm. and let yourself float into better things. Then your day will be better and you'll be you'll have more of a complete life. Now the next day you may give yourself that same experience again. It may be one of those emotions that hits you every day like it did with Maury. Uh, and, and with good reason for Maury because Maury's problems never went away. The problem of right. ALS never left him. So he had to come up with an approach, a battle plan to how to deal with the everydayness of this particular disease. Now, you and I and all of, all of you listening, you may have your particular problem may not be a daily problem. And if it isn't, don't make it one. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like, well, okay, I want to feel sorry for myself today. I want to feel sorry for myself today. If you don't have to, don't. But when those emotions do come up, allow yourself to go through them. Recognize what they feel like. Like, I believe that anger has a feeling, a physical mm-hmm. feeling. There's a there's oh, yeah. a tightness in your stomach, at least for me. Mm-hmm. There's a tightness in my stomach. There's a heat behind my eyes and in my yep. head sometimes. My breath accelerates. These are physical manifestations of an emotion that you can easily recognize as that's anger. Mm-hmm. Depression, I find, has a has a very real feel to it. It's a a, a fatigue, a heaviness. Mm-hmm. A it's almost like you're not seeing. Your eyes don't don't see as clearly. It's like there's a bit of a fog yeah. over them. You feel like there's something on your head. Like a getting thickness. Up from, that's, yeah, a th- yeah, that's it. You're getting up from the bed to go to the bathroom and going back feels like you just took a 100-mile walk. Yeah, yeah. Those are physical feelings. If you can identify them, experience them, and detach from them after they're done, blink your eyes, clear your head, take a shower, 
do whatever it is that kind of physically gets you out of it and say, that was depression. I recognize that's what it feels like. I'm not going to be afraid of it when it hits me, just like a cold. But I'm also not going to let it dominate my day. I'm not going to live in depression. I'm not going to live in fear. Just like a cold, it'll be in the background, but your foreground is I'm going to work. I'm going to go enjoy myself. I'll bring some tissue with me, but I'm going. You understand what I'm saying? It's, 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 It's detachment. And this whole idea of it is is so actually almost basic to how you can get through your day. And yet Maury talked about it in light of a terrible disease. But you don't need to have this terrible disease to learn this practice. This practice is really something that, that even the healthy of us, healthiest of us, can use. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I, I try to do that all the time. I, I try to, I guess I never put a finger on what I was doing though. You know what I mean? I didn't really know that I was detaching, you know, right. immersing and then detaching. But what I haven't done is is what Maury was saying to fully put yourself in it. Because I think I'm doing what you said at the beginning of this show, which was you try to avoid it, you know, at all costs. So I right. just kind of bury it down and go, okay, you know, I'm not going to think about this right now. So I'm going to try more of the immersion. I learned, by the way, from every one of our episodes, every single episode we do, I take something away from it and it's kind of awesome. But I, I'm going to start immersing myself a little bit more so that I can detach. Yeah. Listen to Maury relate to it even to when we first come into the world. You were born, you've cried. You know there's a natural end to your tears. You don't cry forever. So when that natural end comes, you say, okay, that's enough for now, I'm going to go on with my life, or I'm going to detach from this to see what it meant to me. The idea is that no emotion continues forever, Mm -hmm. which is a very important thing to know. Well said, really good advice. And we'll close with the idea that don't punish yourself for the emotions that you might be feeling that you're going to attach to and then detach from. Because allowing yourself to go through it requires you to accept that it is okay to feel that way. And there are many people who don't permit themselves to get depressed, don't permit themselves to feel pain, don't permit themselves to feel fear. That's unnatural. It's not Mm. natural. These are all human emotions. And if you think you're living to a higher standard by doing that, Well, that may be the narrative that you tell yourself, but you are not helping yourself by denying those emotions. No, and it will eat you up inside. It eventually will take you over. You are not getting rid of them. You are only laying them on top of each other by not addressing them. That's right. Here's Maurice, I think, final thought on this theme, and I think it's a good one. Anything that's human, I I should be able to relate to, not that I can, Mm -hmm. all the time. But in general, I, it's a human act. So why not face it realistically? See, the whole problem we have is we're afraid to face too many realities. They're frightening, disgusting, dreadful, disturbing, what have you. So we run away from that. Dying is one of those things. Detach yourself. Mm-hmm. Look at it. Nothing human is alien. Mm-hmm. And nothing human 
is unobservable. Nothing human is unobservable. And if we can observe it, put ourselves through it, and detach ourselves from it, your human existence is going to be much more pleasant, much more balanced, not dominated by the negative, and yet not denying that the negative sometimes is a part of our existence. So that's what Maury meant by detachment. I think it's a great lesson. I've, I've applied it many, many, many times in the 25 years since I first heard him say it, and uh, I have found that it helps me get through life. So that's our lesson for today, our Tuesday people lesson. A little housekeeping before we go, Lisa? Yes. Don't forget, we have our Tuesday People group on Facebook. Uh, you can find it at We Tuesday People on Facebook, or just search Tuesday People and we'll come up. Uh, join the group. Uh, join in the conversation, much like the quote that we used at the beginning of the show. If uh, if something relates to our show or we just want to run it, we might run your quote on our, our episode. Yeah, we'll tell, we'll, we'll, I love reading uh, reader mail and email. Me and too. Tweets or texts and everything. <laughs> it's great. Uh, thanks to everybody who has been coming out. And by the way, if, if you're interested in seeing me or meeting me, uh, this is a good time because I am traveling around the country for my new book, Finding Chica, and I'm doing talks about that to raise money for the orphanage where uh, Chica came from and where there are currently 52 other children who are living. And so I'm in a lot of cities all around the country. Just go to, uh, I guess the simplest place would be to go to my website, mitchalbum.com. It has the schedule of events or tours there and come on out and say hello, especially if you went to Brandeis and <laughs> apparently went there on account of <laughs> Tuesdays with Maury. I, I'm now right. learning that there's this whole subset of people out there that I didn't know about. So that was great. So we appreciate your uh, joining us today and we hope you learned a little something as I always did alongside my old professor. We'll be back with another edition of Tuesday People next Tuesday. Until then, on behalf of Lisa Goich, this is Mitch Album wishing you a great week. Until next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday People.